Today we'll be looking in Genesis chapter 47 again. Last study we left off at verse 12 of Genesis chapter 47. And the verses from Genesis 47, 13 to 26 are a detour from the history of the patriarchs and serve only to manifest the wisdom and prudence of Joseph's government. So we're going to move down past those. And we do find one sweet lesson, though, within those, those verses. And I touched on it last week. When it's spiritually considered, what a famine our nature has. Our natural state, we have a famine. We have a great famine in our natural state. And until our almighty Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, grants us a supply of the living bread of who he is, we will be in a state of spiritual famine in our natural state, without Christ, without hope, and lost, lost. And let us never overlook, we who are the people of God, how God supplied Jacob and his family while the Egyptians were perishing in their own land. We'll see that clearly in our text today. Let's read verses 23 to 31. Then Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day, and your land for Pharaoh, lo, here is seed for you, and ye shall sow the land. So they, the Egyptians were so hungry and so famished, they started to sell their land to Pharaoh. They were, so, they were starving, beloved, in their own land. And Joseph purchased the land from them by giving them corn, sustenance to keep them alive, but a fifth, a fifth of what they were to grow was to go to Pharaoh. So... After that's occurred, we see Joseph here in verse 23. Then Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is seed for you, and ye shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the increase that ye shall give the fifth part unto Pharaoh, and four parts shall be your own. For seed of the field, and for the food, and for them of your household, and for food for your little ones. And they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt unto this day, that Pharaoh should have the fifth part, except the land of the priests only, which became not Pharaoh's. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen. Now, this is important. The Egyptians were starving in their own land, okay? Here's a picture of how God provides for his people. See, the people of the world are starving spiritually, beloved. Starving spiritually, whether they know it or not. But we who are God's people who are born again are feasting on the word of God. Remember how Goshen, the church even, is a picture of Goshen, a place where we can come, an oasis where we can come, and we can feast on the word of God? Right? Look at, in Israel dwelt in, in Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. <laughs> so in the midst of the Egyptians starving, the Israelites are well fed and they're growing and they're multiplying. So it's a picture, beloved, of how, how we, we feast on the bread of life, which is Christ. We come here, we worship together, we feast on the word of, word of life, which is Christ, the bread of life, and we grow, beloved. We grow spiritually. Now, we don't see our own growth. I have to straight stress that. If a person thinks they see their own growth, well, they're boasting. But we do grow. I see your growth. Others will see your growth. Others will. But we, we never usually see our own. And so the Egyptians are starving, and the Israelites are increasing, are increasing. So we see God's bounty and how God takes care of his people. 
And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years, so the whole age of Jacob was 140 and 7 years. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt, but I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt, and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, Swear unto me. And he swore unto him. And Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. Now look at verse 25. And they said, Thou hast saved our lives. This is the Egyptians speaking to Joseph. They said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. The people of Egypt knew. They knew that Joseph was treating them with, with great fairness during the time of famine. They knew that. And we see that in the text. They knew that. And they proclaim that Joseph has saved their lives. And we see they are thankful that they found grace in the eyes of Joseph and in the eyes of Pharaoh the king. And beloved of God, have we not been saved by our heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it not he who has saved us by his grace? Is it not he who's done this? Have we not found grace in the eyes of the king? Have we not found grace in the eyes of Christ Jesus our Lord, who is the bread of life? Have we not? Oh, we have, haven't we? And we know that it's Christ and Christ alone who saved us. And we know that it's, it's only in Christ we have eternal life. We know that for a fact. We've been taught that, haven't we? There was a time when we didn't know that. But praise be to God, we know that now. We need water to survive, don't we? Turn, if you would, to John chapter 4. We need water to survive. Without water, we'll perish. You know Christ is the water of life to his people? He's the, not only is he the bread of life, not only is he the bread of life, but he's the water of life. We need water to survive. We need it. John chapter 4, look at verse 13 and 14. The Lord's talking to the woman at the well, notorious sinner. Oh my, I'm so thankful when I see passages like this. God has grace on his people. He has grace on sinners, doesn't he? Praise his name. Jesus answered and said unto her, verse 13, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Now, now, he's talking about the well. Whoever drinks of that well water, they're going to be thirsty. We get thirsty, don't we? And when we're thirsty, what do we do? We drink. I ask you, are you thirsty for Christ? Are you thirsty for the things of Christ? Because God makes his people thirsty for the things of Christ. The world's not thirsty for the things of Christ. There was a time when we weren't thirsty for the things of Christ. But oh now, give me that water. <laughs> give me that water. Look at this. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. What are we told that God's people hunger and what? Thirst after righteousness. We're told that in the scriptures. Well, those who drink of this water, Christ who is the water of life, they're never thirst again. Oh my. And rejoice, beloved. If you're thirsty for the things of Christ, it's God that's given you that thirst. It's God who's done that. It's a miracle of grace, beloved. It's a miracle. Look at this. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Now, turn, if you would, to Revelation 21. Revelation 21, we'll look at one more verse about Christ being the water of life. Again, we need water to survive, beloved. Look at this verse here. Revelation 21, verse 6. And he said unto me, it is done. It's done. Salvation's accomplished, isn't it? It's finished. Look at this. I am Alpha and Omega. 
That in the Greek is the beginning letter of the alphabet and the ending letter of the alphabet. Alpha is the beginning and omega is the ending. And we know, beloved, he's everything in between, isn't he, for the believer. He says, I'm alpha and I'm omega, beginning and the end. He's the beginning of our salvation. He's the end of our salvation. He's the author of our salvation. He's the finisher of our salvation, beloved. That's our king. That's our Lord. That's him, Jesus Christ. And look, he says, and he said unto him, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the, the fountain of the water of life freely. Are you thirsty? Has God made you thirsty for the things of Christ? Oh, I pray he will. He made this poor sinner thirsty. There was a time when I wasn't thirsty. Now, oh my, I'm thirsty. I pray God will make it so for you if you don't know him. Oh my. And we need bread to survive too, don't we? Bread used to be a staple in biblical times. Well, our Lord says this, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Oh my, John 6, 35. Never hunger, never thirst. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful. So we see how the Egyptians, they were starving in their own land, and the Israelites were fine, and they were increasing. It's so for God's people, beloved. It's so for God's people. And the people of Egypt, they knew Look at verse 25 again. They knew Joseph was treating them fairly, and they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. Oh, my. You know, and over there in John 6, 35, when he says, I am the bread of life, that's one of the great I am statements, too. That's one of the great I am statements, which is so characteristic of John bringing that forth. But it shows that Christ is both the water and the bread of life for his people. John 6.35. He's our eternal life. In him and through him alone do we have eternal life. Outside of Christ is no eternal life. None. Well, people say, well, that's pretty narrow-minded, Wayne. Well, let's quote the words of the Master. Let's quote the words of God incarnate in the flesh. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man, no man or no woman, no man, no one, cometh unto the Father but by that's the word, words of God incarnate in the flesh. That's not my words. I believe them, though. I believe them. By God's grace, and you do too by God's grace. We're see today the only one who's made us to differ from the sheep and the goats, beloved. We're going to look at the, at the very end. And the only one who makes us to differ is God. Amen. Is God. He's the one who separates the sheep from the goats. Beloved. He's the one who's made vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor giving away half my message. But he's the one who's done that. He's the one who's done that. Not us. He's done that. And he, he even does it at the end, which we'll see today at the great white judgment. My, oh my. Christ is given by God to be the satisfier, the reliever, and the physician of his people's spiritual needs. Again, I'll read that again. Christ is given by God the Father to be the satisfier. You know, he satisfies the justice of God in the law of God, and he satisfies our hunger too, doesn't he? He satisfies our hunger, beloved. The revealer, he reveals himself to us, and the physician of his people's spiritual needs. He is the great physician. We're, we're healed by his stripes, beloved. By his stripes. Oh, my. And in him, in his mediatorial office, in him, in his atoning death, in him, in his priesthood, in him, in his grace and love and power, in him alone will empty souls find all their wants supplied supplied 
Because life alone is found in him, spiritual life alone. He's the bread of life. He's the water of life. Only in him do we find that. And every believer has found grace in the eyes of the king. Never forget that. Every single believer has found grace in the eyes of the king, in the eyes of Jehovah. How? We are accepted in the blood for Christ's sake. Isn't that wonderful? Warms your heart, doesn't it? Listen to the words in Genesis 6, 8. Scripture says, but, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The only thing that made Noah to differ, it wasn't Noah saying, well, I'm going to follow Christ now, and I'm going to, although he did, didn't he? He did. And we do follow Christ. I heard a great message by Tim James this week, and he said, we do make a decision for Christ in the sense that we're made willing, and we run to him. We do. We ought not to downplay that. Religion's taken that and, and destroyed it and made it, but no, we do. We're turned to Christ, beloved, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And we run to Christ, don't we? We run to him willingly, willingly, beloved. My, in our prayer as believers is if you do not know Christ and do not believe on Christ, that God would make you willing in the day of his power. That's all he's done for us. We found grace in the eyes of God. When? From eternity. Now that's the part that just sends you just... Oh, my God. Oh, oh, my. Turn if you would to Exodus 33. Look at this, what Moses says here. Exodus 33, verse 13. And we'll read verse 14 to 16. Actually, the 17, we'll go. Look at this. Exodus 33. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And then look at this. Look what God says. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. That's true of every believer. We found grace in the eyes of God. And has he not given us rest? And has he not ever gone before us? Absolutely. I can look back even before I was saved. And I know you can too. I can look back at multiple times I should have been dead. Multiple times. Like I'm talking once over a 50 foot cliff. And we didn't know it because it was pitch black at night and we were supposedly having a good time. And if I hadn't tried to get out of that truck and literally crawling over my buddy and opening the door, we'd all die. And I look at that and say, look at the grace of God before I was even saved. And I know you can look in your lives and see points and places where possibly you could have died, but it wasn't the appointed time, was it? But we can look back at that and see God's preserving grace even before we were saved, beloved. It's incredible. And so look at this. He's he says, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. God is ever with his people below. He didn't just start watching over us when, when, we, when we turned to him by, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. No, his love has been set upon us from eternity. From eternity. That's what makes it so incredible. And, and look, I love Moses' response here in verse 15. And this is something that we should pray all the time. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Lord, don't let me go. I, Henry Mahan Put it this way, Lord, don't let me go anywhere where you don't go before. That's what we should pray, eh? Amen. Lord, don't let, me, don't let me take a step without you going before me. Oh, my. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So, so God's people, in the fact that Christ goes with us and before us, we know that we found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? So we can look at those things and those events in our lives before and after the Lord has saved us. 
and, and we can see his hand and that he's went before us. And it just absolutely makes you shout for joy in your heart. It does. Oh, my. It's incredible. So shall we be separated, I and thy people. God's people were in the world just like, just like the Egyptians were in Goshen. They were in the borders of Egypt, but they were separated, beloved, from the world. We are separated from the world. There's no doubt about that. We're, we're, we're made holy in Christ. Now, we don't think we're holy, do we? I like John, you told me sometimes some, some guy come in here and say, say boy, you guys are, are, uh, are uh, good folks. Remember you told me that? And John said, we're just a bunch of sinners here. And we know that. We know that. We are sinners saved by grace. My. And we're separated, though, from the world. So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, look at this, I will do this. I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight. And look at this, and I know thee, what? Now contrast that with the New Testament where it says, even the very hairs of our head are numbered. He knows us. There's not one thing that happens in our life that the Lord doesn't know happens. Remember the stones being made ready? Remember they were made ready afar off? And then they were taken and placed in the temple without a hammer or anything. Well, we are on this earth, beloved. We're being chiseled, formed. And then when we go home to glory, we fit right in that spiritual temple, right where God wants us. And there's no chiseling in heaven. There's no, not a sound of a hammer, is there? Isn't that wonderful? Oh, what a picture. My. But here, we're going through trials and tribulations. We're being chipped out and, 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 and made into the stone. And then we're a stone made ready. Oh, my. It'll be, it'll be wonderful. Turn to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. And all this is to show that Jacob had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And in Israel, they increased while the Egyptians were starving. And the Egyptians even realized, though, that they found grace in the eyes of Joseph and Pharaoh, too. My. Look at this in Judges. We're reading the account of Gideon bringing forth these same words. Judges chapter 6, verses 15 to 24. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now, Gideon realizes his inability. You notice that? To save Israel. He says, I'm poor. Beloved, we're poor, bankrupt sinners. We can't even save ourselves, can we? Look at these wonderful words. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. Oh, well, if God be for us, who could be against us? <laughs> oh, my. Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, there's that, those are his words again, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of ephor, of flour, the flesh he put in the basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and bought it out unto him under the oak, and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon the rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up fire out of the rock, and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cake. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight, and when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. 
And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not. Oh my. Angels of the Lord, that's a picture of Christ. That's Christ. And look at this. Peace be unto thee. Is that not what God says to us through Christ? Fear not. Right? Again, thou shalt not die. Now we're going to die physically, but we're going to live for eternity, beloved, in glory. We've been given eternal life in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah's peace. Oh, he has peace with God, beloved. He has peace with God. And the kindness and love of God has been manifest to we who are his people, hasn't it? Not by anything we could have done or that, or, or that we'll ever do. We do not merit this kindness and this love that God has for his people. We do not merit it. It's according to God's mercy and according to God's grace. And it's so vast and it's so depthless that you can never plumb it. You can never plumb it. You know how oceans are deep. My, they're so deep. You throw something in the ocean, you're never going to see it again. Well, beloved, our sin's been thrown into the sea. It's all gone. We're washed clean in the precious blood of Christ. Oh, what mercy, what mercy we have. So with this in mind, and seeing Jacob and his family have found grace in the eyes of Pharaoh, having put them in the choicest land of Egypt, which is Goshen, as we've looked at in our past studies, what a picture we have of how we found grace in the eyes of the king. Let's read Genesis 47, verses 27 to 31. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years, so the whole age of Jacob was 140 and seven years. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die, and he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in the land of Egypt. But I will die with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, Swear unto me. And he swore unto him. And Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. Now remember in our past studies, we've learned that Jacob was 130 years old when he left the land of Canaan and went down into Egypt. We see in verse 28 that he's 140 and seven years when he when the Lord delivered him from this body of death. And that's what occurs when a saint departs from this world. That's what occurs. We leave this body of death. We leave this body of death alone. Oh, and we go to a place where there's no more sickness. There's no more sadness. There's no more tears. There's no more trials. There's no more tribulations. And there's no more struggle with the flesh. None. No more struggle with sin. No more battle in sin because we'll be delivered from this body of death, which Paul called it, this body of death. What a day that'll be then. What a day that'll be. And Jacob dwelt in the land of Egypt 17 years. We know that Joseph was 17 years old when, when, he went in, when his brothers sold him the, into captivity. So marvel at this, that Jacob lived with his son the same length of time in Canaan, 17 years, as he did in the land of Egypt. So he was blessed with 34 years with his son. 17 years he lived with them in the land of Canaan, and in 17 years he lived with them in the land of Egypt, beloved. Oh, it's wonderful. And Jacob watched his family grow exceedingly during these 17 years. We see that in, in our text because God supplied their need, didn't he? He supplied their need all the time while they were in Egypt. God supplies our needs all the time while we're here in spiritual Egypt. Doesn't he? he takes care of every one of his sheep. Every one of the sheep. Truly, truly, we who are God's people, as we've seen today, 
have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that's so for every single one of God's people. Every one of them. Glory be to God.